I really feel like we need to commission Alex Robinson now. Yes. I need, I need, but like Mandalorian armor, but those sunglasses. I, oh I, man, this I mean, is a crossover. That... I'm sure if we told him the concept, he could figure it out. Yeah, I think uh, so. Especially since, oh my gosh, we haven't started this. Whatever. Actually, just start the episode. I'll say that she's definitely. It's a jumpsuit. She's so Star Wars. It's beautiful. We should read Elaine in on what we're talking about. Oh, um, Alex Robinson does Star Wars Minute, and he's also a comics artist. So he's done lots of commissions for different podcasts. And stuff. <gasps> okay, so that's why I'm like, if we tell him, here's a picture of Dagmar, you know Boba Fett, squish them together. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I fully support. I like it. Let's put it out in the universe. Let's manifest this. Yes, we are making it happen. Oh my god, does that mean we will attract Dagmar Fett to us? I haven't read The Secret, but that's what it is, right? Oh my gosh, this is so funny. I bought The Secret like a week ago. <laughs> I It was one of those moments where I was in Barnes & Noble, and I was just feeling feels, and I always, I don't know if you would know this since I have a mental health podcast, I am quite often drawn to the self-help area, and I saw it, and then I bought it, and I am trying to read it, and it is the weirdest thing, and I do not understand. <laughs> the Secret is confusing. That's what The Secret is. <laughs> all right should we start for real for real yeah. for real for real let's dive in properly growler media presents joe versus the minute welcome back to joe versus the minute where we are taking you to the volcano one minute at a time it's the volcano love watch <laughs> and i'm jarf i'm Tyranny, there is no love, not my favorite minute of the movie, Steel. <laughs> and back with us again is Elaine from the Angus IT Podcast. Welcome, Elaine. Hello, thank you. Yes, thanks for coming back on a Friday and some weird loony fishing Friday. We have. Elaine, we have had so much fun talking this week. It has been a blast getting to know you, and I'm so sorry that you have to be here for the Hammerhead Sharks. You know, honestly, I think it changed my life in a way. So thank you. Nice. We'll, we'll take that. Yeah. The shark is, yeah, it's something. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, yeah. as our listeners have probably gleaned, we're talking about minute 63 of Joe versus the volcano, which starts with Joe's hands tangled in his fishing line. Totally fine with that part. <laughs> <laughs> what tyranny is evidently not totally fine with is it ends with Joe pulling up a hammerhead shark. And we should be clear, in between this minute, no dialogue, no plot. It's Joe fishing. <laughs> Pulling up the hammerhead shark is the only development in this 60 seconds. My biggest question in the scene is how are you so bad at fishing that you somehow have handcuffed yourself essentially with fishing wire? Like, what was he trying to do? I don't know what he was trying to do. He's he's created a, a cat's cradle with the fishing wire. And honestly, I don't think the joke lands because I had to watch it a couple times until I figured out what was that he was supposed to be tangled up in fishing line. And that he wasn't just doing cat's cradle. <laughs> Actually, I thought he was making a gesture about the size of fish that Patricia just caught. Oh. Maybe you think that's silly, but fishing line is notoriously thin. And so it doesn't pop 
on film. So I, I just really didn't see it when I was just watching it in a little YouTube clip. This wasn't anything that I really remembered from the movie, probably because in about 55 seconds, a very fake-looking shark pops out of the damn water. <laughs> but... Steven Spielberg wept when he saw this scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Spielberg wept. <laughs> all right, changing the possible name of the title. Right. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it's all like physical acting, and the best part of this scene comes from our discussion on Wednesday as I watch Dagmar be excited in all her white jumpsuit glory. You know, actually, she makes me think of April O'Neil, but with better glasses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I dig it. It's that same look. And it is tons of physical acting. And I I have done nothing but praise Tom Hanks' physical acting throughout this movie. This minute, I have to take issue with it. I don't understand the direction of this scene. It does not make sense for his acting to be so Looney Tunes. Maybe it's because I have a little bit of an understanding of fishing, but he's just, he's flailing around like a cartoon character who's been handed a fire hose, and that, it does not make physical sense to me. And and then I looked at the script for what was the intent, and what it says is that he other people are offering to help Joe because they can see that he's got something big on the line. But Joe is waving them off. He's completely focused, like a man possessed. Which he does kind of do at one point. He kind of does at one point, but it's it's a little bit thrown off by whipping the fishing rod up in the air and flailing around. And the whole thing is so manic, I don't think it really lands. And I think I see what they were going for with this idea of him being like a man possessed. Because this is him now. He's in quest mode. So he's made this journey up until this point where he was too afraid to do anything and he was too afraid to leave the lousy job and now he finally has. And so he's kind of latched in on like, oh no, I am going to reel this in. That tracks story-wise, but I don't think they convey it in this scene. I literally never put that together until you just said it out loud. (laughs) Right? It makes sense, right? In three decades, oh God. Maybe, no, no, we're good. We're still about there. Never occurred to me that this scene had any meaning other than being an interlude. Because we have had a very serious conversation between Patricia and Joe where she tells him she's soul sick. And spoilers for next week, we're going to have another very serious conversation. And I always interpreted this scene as, well, we need to show them on the boat just doing their normal boat during the day things. And let's make it funny so that it kind of breaks up the two serious conversations. And uh, what's funny? Ah, ah, we'll have uh, we'll have Tom Hanks flail around a bunch and uh, we'll play the young rascals and he'll catch a shark and he'll flip out. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah, I never thought of it on that deeper level because yeah, again, to me, it 
came off very slapstick. And while I enjoy awkward Tom Hanks shrugging throughout this uh, scene, I can see where there's that parallel with Patricia is easily picking up these very exotic fish and she's just one after the other throwing it in. Dagmar is throwing shade at Joe for not even knowing how to hold a fishing pole apparently. And then finally, when he stops worrying about it, he just stares back in the water. Suddenly, oh, something big has caught. And maybe this goes back to the uh, the patience required in fishing and in life. Maybe you just need to wait it out and not focus on other people fishing because for ha- perhaps Joe was staring so much at Patricia and how great she was fishing that he created a cat's cradle and was unable to fish. But when he focused on himself, that's when he got that terrifying shark. <laughs> well, it's, well, yes, I agree. <laughs> that That makes sense. But following it through... It makes me capitalize and underline my why for the (laughs) hammerhead shark in the first place. Maybe it is just because you need something then to end the scene and it's a way to end the scene in a funny way. But it's just, if you follow the thread of this being him facing his fears, focusing in, not being distracted by others... And, okay, I'm really going to try this time. And then the result of him trying is he pulls out a hammerhead shark. I think the symbolism sort of... A rubber hammerhead shark, no less. Right. (laughs) The symbolism sort of falls apart there, right? Because I don't think moral of the story is don't face your fears and try. It it doesn't track with anything else. It's just silliness, right? Definitely, yes. And it's weird because I'm I'm looking back at this last scene. He doesn't even react to the fact that he has this terrifying rubber hammerhead shock. He looks back and he's smiling and laughing, which is also very confusing to me. Yeah. I think he's supposed to not really have processed yet what's happened. And he's just pleased with the fact that he got it up. And then he's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> which, I mean, that, that part seems fair. I like that the script points out that he's trying to get people off because that's the one thing I do like in his physical acting when he's kind of like, he's so busy telling them like, I got it, I got it, that he actually lets go of his pole and like almost falls overboard catching it. And it's kind of in time with the music. And that's like, if you're going to do this, that's done well. I still don't think you need to do it. But that part, you know, it's, it's technically well done. And I even get like, oh, Joe finally catches everything. Everyone comes rushing over. I love the little detail that Patricia like reels in her line and sets her pull. Like she she gets her stuff taken care of. She helps herself before helping others. Right. (laughs) That's a very cool move that in a movie you wouldn't expect someone to, you know, you would expect her to just like leave the pole leaning against the railing or whatever and run over to Joe. But the fact that she takes that moment to, like, reel it in, put it down, get over Then she goes over and gets roped into the slapstick. That is a great detail. And that the lack of that kind of resolution detail is just the kind of thing that bugs me when I watch movies and TV. When people leave the house and they don't turn off the lights or don't even seem to lock their door. It's... Which happens because it's not real. It's it's yeah. it's a movie. But oh, my grandmother 
went ballistic when characters came out of the bathroom and didn't wash their hands in movies and television shows. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame her. Drove her insane. And we watched, she was one that watched like, like my so-called life. You know, they're always hanging out in the girl's bathroom and stuff like that. And she's like, wash your hands. (laughs) Anyway, yes. So she's smiling somewhere down on you, Jarf, that you notice things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Pour one out for Tanner's grandma. So, Tierney, you mentioned this being an interlude, and it made me wonder about a different way this could have been played. When everybody is helping Joe, Patricia in particular, she gets physically close to him. And it made me think that it was odd that they were playing it for so much, Elaine, like you said, slapstick and just general silliness. Because in almost any other romantic comedy... This would be the part where the two leads get so caught up in some kind of activity that they they can't help but get close to each other and they don't even notice because they're so focused on the task and the next thing you know it, they have successfully completed the task or maybe they botched it and they're laughing because they botched it and, and they don't really try to land any of those notes here. And there's none of that here. No, there's none of that here at all. Uh, I'm thinking of a movie that I know that you are a fan of, Tierney, Blue Crush. It's that scene where she (laughs) is teaching him to surf and the rest of the class is drifted away. And Michelle Rodriguez gives a knowing look, oh, I see what's happening. They're having their own little thing now. And she's like, now hold on, we're going to get you that wave. And they, they... keep on surfing until the sun goes down. So this could have, this fishing scene could have been that. Instead, we get a rubber shark. Is that a term we can use? Like, oh, they just pulled the rubber shark. (laughs) That actually, I would love that in movies where uh, the romantic leads like almost kiss and then something happens like, and then they pulled a rubber shark. (laughs) (laughs) C-3PO, real rubber shark, that one. (laughs) You're right, because she is literally, like, her arms are wrapped around him at several points, helping him pull this up. Yeah, I notice it more when I mean, it's it's not just close. They are literally entwined in each other by the end of this minute. And it is not romantic at all. (laughs) No, it happens so fast, and it's caught up in this frantic action. When I think about this movie, I don't think, oh, and there's that scene where they're all on the boat where they're all over each other. I didn't even remember this. But when I watched just a minute, I was like, well, she's she's all up on him. Which makes sense. I mean, that's for what she's trying to do, it isn't romantic. Like, it isn't a romantic impulse. But you're right. Usually, when two characters are going to get together... You can make a romantic moment out of that. Anyone who has ever come up with an excuse to like, oh, let me help you with that, someone knows that move. Right. The like, oh, I'm teaching just I'm teaching you how to swing a tennis racket and that you've got to swing with your hips and all of that. So when you pretend you don't know how to move your arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very confused. Can you show me? Two references very different. When you started talking about Blue Crush, even though I knew what you're talking about, my mind went to Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, 
when he's teaching her in the ocean so that like she gets the rhythm and his arm is going along her arm and it's very you know whatever he's teaching her to dance and they fall in love because it's dirty dancing that's how that works i love that even though it's exactly the same thing you don't try to go for the higher cred of just saying dirty dancing no no because no, the ocean <laughs> and, the, and the way he's standing behind her and their arms go out is fair is is it's diego luna it's really good stuff and when you were just saying with teaching that, the best example, the most romantic, but again, not played for romance, but very definitely there, the baseball episode of the X-Files. And at the end, Mulder is um, has a pitching machine going and he's batting and Scully comes up and she's never, she's basically like never, I mean, maybe when she was a kid. And he stands behind her and wraps his arm around her so she can get the grip on the baseball bat. And he's like talking and she's like, shut up, Mulder, I'm playing baseball. And it's it's the best moment. And it's not play. I, I think that would work here. It's not played for romance, but it's incredibly romantic. The two characters in the scene don't think they're having a moment, but they definitely are. And I think that would have worked well here. So were you already a baseball fan when they had the baseball episode of X-Files? Was that your world, was that your world's aligned moment? I, yes, I was already, because uh, funny enough, the friend that got me into a league of their own is the same friend that got me into the X-Files, but it was a few years later once we had matured a bit. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, that's the sort of thing. Like, it's not, it's not what we were joking about, like, oh, let me get closer to you. Let me use this as an excuse. She's legitimately trying to help him <laughs> reel yeah. in this fish. But it, if it hadn't been a rubber hammerhead shark, that could have been a cute, like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I have my arms around you. Oh, you know. And it's then they're a, thinking about it. <laughs> it's definitely a lost opportunity. It is, right? Even if the scene was entirely the same, but there was just, there was a shot where you see Joe noticing that she's close to him. Oh. Mm. Oh, I love that. And maybe at first he's kind of annoyed because he's like, no, I'm doing it myself. Oh, hello. It's like, oh, it's it's you. <laughs> oh, a hammerhead shark. <laughs> I like that your accent went a little old timey on that. It's a hammerhead shark. <laughs> wow, looking over there, a hammerhead shark. Wow, oh, and a lady tots. Whoa. I don't remember if Dagmar has any lines later. Do you remember, Tierney? She does, and she has a weird accent that I definitely want to talk about at that time. (laughs) Okay. I shouldn't say a weird accent. She doesn't have a weird accent. She has a noticeably different way of talking. No, that's a weird accent. I like I like the idea of uh, you describe someone that way, and it's like, is it a backhanded compliment? Like, is it a description? Like, uh, she talks very uniquely. <laughs> I couldn't place it's it. It's the way she, Jarf. What I'm referring to is during the storm. She says, "Look after Patricia," and the like. The way she says it looks good, but I'm going to stay with her. I, I don't know. I honestly, if I hadn't literally just googled this actress, I would assume she had some exotic background that I was missing. Yeah. She has, she definitely has good rhythm. Like that dancing with the spear was I, I, everything ah, to me. Yeah. And I like that they're all excited for Joe in this minute. No one is like, that guy caught, I mean, because she was very dismissive of him. But the minute he is having success, she is not begrudging him it. That tracks from my experience with fishing. It's as <laughs> fun as it is to catch something yourself. 
it's much more exciting to see someone, especially if they're a novice, having something big on the on the line. You get caught up. You're you're a spectator. You're cheering for them. I also know that feeling where you've caught little things and then you feel a heavy tug, and it is actually something that's going to be a battle. And all you can think of is I do not want to screw this up. <laughs> I don't know how you made fishing sound so beautiful just now, but I feel like I maybe I should give it a second chance. Like, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can be. And for the record, I catch and release. So it's just for sport. No fish are truly killed. Although I will say one of my favorite, like, hey, you ever think poses is, do you think fish that have been caught and released are the UFO abductees of the undersea world. Because <laughs> think about what being caught and released would sound like if you tried to describe it to another fish. I... <laughs> Then what's so what the are fish are trying to tell then? the like you're gonna see some food and you're gonna think oh my god food out of nowhere do not go for it it's a trap this big creature picked me up and the big light flash went off as they said cheese I don't even know what cheese is I'm a fish and then they put me back here and everyone would be like that guy is insane there's no way that happened but it did and I'm just thinking of like aquariums now like is that. Is that like your your weird matrix test tube kind of things? Like, this is so dark. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how the fish that try to warn other people, other fish, <laughs> <laughs> about the, the dangers uh, of bait evolve into Akbar from Star Wars. Yes! <laughs> saying it's a trap. That's genetic memory, right? And what is the fish equivalent of okay, boomer? Because you know that's what people say to them. <laughs> okay, flipper. Okay, okay Akbar. Okay, flipper. <laughs> See, Elaine, I don't know if this is your first Movies by Minute podcast, but it's oh, you, go through, <laughs> you go through the mouth of madness. This is amazing. This is my first experience, and I just, I'm, it's amazing. I feel so different. I feel changed, enlightened, dare I say. You're not really sure what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> and we always start out so innocuously. Today, we're going to talk about minute 63. It begins with, and it ends with, and yet, here we are. <laughs> It's a beautiful journey. So yeah, let's uh let's give a quick shout out to Star Wars Minute because there have been many, many Movies by Minutes podcasts, and they are they are the makers. They are Pete and Alex who began this this crazy world. Yes. Shout out to Star Wars Minute, and we managed to have not one but two Star Wars connections to Joe versus the volcano this week. And we got a kick-ass idea for a Joe versus the Minute shirt for or our Dagmar Fett. And, and so we, we have to put that out into the universe as a potential collaboration with Comic Book Alex. Love it. And there's moviesbyminutes.com has links to everything. Although, let's face it, if you found us, I'm sure you can find more. You have the skills. I have faith in you, listener. Yes, you have the technology. And if there's a favorite movie of yours, there's a pretty good chance that there is a Movies by Minute podcast for it. And if they're not, what is it that you always tell people, Tierney? Make the podcast you want to listen to. Exactly. It's related to that whole please yourself. At least You know, you can't please everyone, so please yourself and then at least one person's happy. 
Yeah, that that's the uh, mission statement of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'll just throw it in there. If I could somehow start a podca- podcast, I believe in you, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't get over your title of your podcast. I literally just got that on Monday, and now it's it's just a delay. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to pick up some Angus IT merch because now I'm, I'm so enamored. Um, yeah, we're selling cows now, so... Oh, I can buy a cow of my own? Yeah, it's like an emotional support animal. Uh, Okay. It's a new program. It's not certified, but you know, we're just testing it out. And I would love to send you some cows. Let me know how you like any feedback. I guess I, 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 they could live in your home. It could be interesting. You said you have a dog. Dogs and cows probably get along well. I don't see any problems with that at all. Jack Bow Wow gets along with pretty much all other animals. So I think he'd get along with a, with a cow just fine. But what if he was scared? No, he doesn't. have to choose. Cow or dog. He doesn't tend to get scared of other animals. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Aw, you should get a cow. Aw. I think that he is the one that needs the emotional support cow. I think this works out perfectly. We'll get Jack Bowell an emotional support cow. This is amazing. I feel I feel a great, like the universe brought these vibrations and manifested this emotional support cow for your dog. <laughs> right. We did it. That was the secret all along. <laughs> wow. I'm going to write them a horrible review about their book. <laughs> <laughs> no cows were mentioned at all. <laughs> um, well, speaking of books and reviews and it kind of works but now that i'm talking i'm realizing it doesn't exactly i was trying to ask you what your favorite fairy tale was i've done a (laughs) very bad job (laughs) oh no i love it so actually a lot of my favorite fairy tales are kind of like irish folklore related so i hope (laughs) this fits but i i absolutely just love how insane irish folklore can get so one of my favorites it's called the brewery of eggshells now you might be thinking is this about omelets No, it's about a woman who has a child that basically, as the story says, becomes really shriveled up, but is still alive. So I'm just going with maybe it was colicky. And she thinks that an evil fairy has taken over her child, which actually is something that people in Ireland many years ago used to believe. And what you would do is you would go leave your child in the forest and that's how the devil left it, uh, which obviously works. So in this story, she goes to this witch and asks, how can I get rid of this imp that might be within my child? And the lady creates this awfully weird stew that involves eggshells. And then when the mother presents this to her demonized child, the child stands up and goes, well, I'm 15,000 years old and I haven't had eggshell soup in many a year. And that's how she figures it out that it's a demon. And then the demon runs out of the child to go eat the soup. The mother puts a lid on top of the pot and then her child is back. It's a very touching story. (laughs) It just, I love it because of how weird and quirky it is, but it also really fits in with actual like historical Irish culture. Well, that's, I, so I got so excited because I actually minored in Irish literature, <gasps> but I don't know that story. That's amazing. There are elements I've heard before, but I have not heard that one. And it, I was a little bit worried about where it was going, but you're right. It came around in the end. Um, and I love, I mean, Irish mythology is just 
bonkers and beautiful and people are pigs but not really and one of the things I really love is and I, this is so like hashtag basic but the story of Kulin uh, is how I say it but the Hound of Ulster and it's a guy or a demigod it kind of depends on what you're reading I like the stories where it's accidental that he slays the hound that was and like in the pictures, the hound is as big as a man. Like, it's this huge thing. And I think it's supposed to be, like, in battle. And he takes the place. So he lives as a dog until a dog can be reared big enough to take its place. What? <laughs> and that is, like, one of the founding myths. <laughs> and I'm just like, this, I found my place. People- I think I have to change my answer. And my new fairy tale <laughs> is the hound story. <laughs> It's just, it's, cr- I mean, like, and people are eating salmon for wisdom, but it's their father. I don't even know. Like, oh. it's a crazy time with animals in Ireland. And so, you know, sure, an eggshell stew sounds perfectly in keeping with that It's world. like, obviously, how else would you get out an evil demon? <laughs> I'm just imagining that, that hunter explaining the situation to their friends and loved ones. Well, yeah. Okay, I killed it, but now I got to live as the dog for a while. <laughs> it's probably going to be a couple of years. Sorry, I'll be back. Like, haha, you're so crazy, but you're coming home, right? No, I'm, I got to live here as a dog. Jarf, it makes me wonder, like, are our dogs trapped? <laughs> are they- <laughs> oh, no. Like, do we need to break the curse somehow? Like, my dog is part whippet. She is quite small. She is not going to be Clifford size. Oh, dear. Don't give me that haunted knowledge. <laughs> I'm already haunted because I looked up Brewery of Eggshells on Wikipedia, and the accompanying image is an illustration by John D. Batten of these two maniacally grinning toddlers that will definitely haunt my dreams more than just being at sea ever could. <laughs> oh, I will not be Googling that. I think maybe it was the Irish accent you slipped into when he tasted the stew, but I am absolutely like, this is a total Buffy situation in my head. Oh, like, yeah. that sounds exactly how you trap a demon and figure it out on that sh- on an Man, episode of that the show. The lost Buffy episode. That would have been so good. <laughs> <laughs> it tracks. It all tracks. Well, Elaine, did you have anything else for minute 63 or would you like to remind listeners where they can find you sure no i think i've hazed the shark long enough <laughs> uh everyone can find me uh my podcast as they said it's angus it it's angus like the cow i like the body part and tea like the drink i am on twitter and instagram at angus it and you should be able to find me on any podcatcher my thumbnail is purple and has a weird cow on it that's so weird. My thumbnail is purple and has a weird cow on it, too. I got to get that looked at. Well, that's that's crazy. Well, thanks again for joining us, Elaine. And listeners, thank you. We will be back next week for a minute 64 through 66. And until then, it's time to climb aboard the listener's luggage raft and head out into the sea. So tell me, Tierney, my friend, what shall our destination be? Look after Patricia. This is the way. Now I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna go when the volcano blows. Let me say now I don't know.
something is really different on a growler. 